2: Like, I love to say, I told you so. And while Sam Donald has not become the better player than Lamar Jackson, what I was getting to with Lamar Jackson wasn't anything about being a hater. wasn't anything about b- wanting him to switch positions. Like that, that that's political nonsense, crap that has leaked into football, right? Where it's either all or nothing. It's important to realize. That Lamar Jackson was a first-round pick. Okay, so this everybody missed on him, sort of. I mean, the Ravens did take Hayden Hurst before they took him, didn't they? They they, they took a tight end before, it, so they had a they missed on him per se. But it wasn't necessarily missing. It was an evaluation over his talent, his potential, his ceiling, his floor. Now, I don't think anyone in the Ravens organization thought he'd be an MVP in his first year starting as a quarterback in the NFL. I sure as hell didn't. And for that, I would say I was wrong. But the ceiling of Lamar Jackson and his struggles throwing a football could not, could not be any more evident than what we saw yesterday. He completed 44% of his balls. He threw two touchdown passes, but he had five turnovers. couple of fumbles, a couple of interceptions. In his career losses, 11 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 102 yards passing per game. I I said 12 turnovers. Okay, 12. The turnovers are an issue. Now, look, if you've studied option football, and any of you who remember Oklahoma or Nebraska when they were big option teams, one of the biggest issues that those teams would have is ball security. You combine that by the fact that Lamar Jackson is just not great when you go five wide and you want to throw outside the numbers. And here's the other, I told you so moment when Tim Tebow was winning games in Denver, the first guy to say, I want out was Eddie Royal. Okay. Eddie Royal was uh, one of the favorite wide receivers of the previous quarterback. And it wasn't that he didn't like winning. It was that in order to make money in the NFL, as a as a wide receiver, your contract is usually based upon the number of targets, the number of receptions, as well as some of the little things you do like blocking and, you know, and 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 being able to make other plays for your team. You just don't get the opportunities in the way in which they're playing. I mean, Hollywood Brown took to took to Twitter and pointed out that he's not being used as much as he'd like to be used. So you have the turnovers, which are a problem with option football. You have Lamar struggling to complete passes when it's made for passing downs. You have wide receivers who get a little bit uh, antsy over not getting the number of targets. And then, oh yeah, by the way, uh, oh yeah, by the way, it should be pointed out. It's really, really to point out that this is the same thing that happened to Greg Roman in San Francisco with Colin Kaepernick. Like, literally the exact same thing. Colin Kaepernick replaced Alex Smith mid-year. Do you guys remember that? Alex Smith had, a like, a perfect game against the Arizona Cardinals. He got a concussion the next game. Colin Kaepernick replaced him. The next year, Colin Kaepernick was an MVP candidate. And they were running a very similar offense with the exact same offensive coordinator. And the third year... Everyone saw it. Everyone figured it out. They tried to make Colin Kaepernick. They knew he wasn't good rolling to his left. He only rolled right. He had small hands. He turned the ball over. He couldn't change arm angles, et cetera, et cetera. They were eight and eight that year. And Greg Roman left and went to the Buffalo Bills. Do you guys remember all this? This has all happened before. Now, the difference is that I believe the Baltimore Ravens are a better organization. It's John, not Jim Harbaugh and they're constructed better in terms of running. They ran the hell out of the football what, 200 over 250 yards rushing yesterday. Their defense is really good. Like this is a good football team, but it's limited by their quarterback because he can only really play one way, which is not the worst thing in the world. It just this is why people don't play this way is because and and the one thing that hasn't happened is the thing that I feared the most, which is getting hurt which thankfully hasn't happened, but he did get hit and hit hard several times. So I'm not telling you Lamar Jackson stinks. Please don't tell any of your buddies that. What I'm saying is this style not only has a ceiling, it has a shelf life. And they're bumping up into the ceiling and they're getting closer to the, the born on date, the shelf life of, hey, we may need to figure this thing out. And by the way, that was Lamar Jackson's first loss when leading as a starter. He's never won a game when trailing at the half, and now he's 22-1 and when leading. Like, the whole thing before was he couldn't bring him from behind. No, now the thing is he can't maintain a lead because eventually teams, especially in their division, are going to figure it out. So that that's going to be the challenge for the Ravens. How do they evolve? How do they, you know, while keeping getting better, while staying true to what Lamar Jackson does, can he continue to improve as a passer? But, and look, he's not the only one whose ceiling has been exposed, right? What'd we, what do we find out about uh, Josh, um, Josh Allen, right? Start of the year. He was an MVP candidate. Now sitting like, you know what, Josh Allen kind of inaccurate. Like, yeah, that's like y- you have, these scouts are paid, hundreds of thousands of dollars to solely evaluate individual possession positions. And while they miss some, they don't completely swing and miss on most of these guys, Josh Allen, spectacular talent, just not crazy. Accurate Lamar Jackson, freak athleticism, incredible arm lacks the lacks the accuracy and the ability to, 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 to make pinpoint throws outside of the numbers. And a guy who still has a tendency, kind of like Josh Allen, when the pressure comes to drop his head and think about running, and that's a really hard way to live. So were scouts wrong? Yeah, sort of. But what you're seeing is the ceiling and the and the shelf life both being exposed for this style. And the Baltimore Ravens and the weaknesses are, we know it. If you get to third and long, he's got to throw it. That's not great. You start turning the football over. That's the way in which they lose games. That's how all option teams have fallen apart. Do they run the traditional wishbone option? No. But for the NFL, this is as close to the option as you're going to get.
1: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio
3: app. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables.
2: and where you drive. Choose for a full line of Continental Tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you, or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to Tireac.com sports to see their Continental Test Results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's Tireac.com slash sports,
4: Terms at picksix.draftkings.com/slash promos.
2: The Cowboys just been besieged by injuries. I do think that there was a lot greater effort last night. Like, did anybody else feel that? Like, I felt like the ones that dressed in that uniform wanted to win that game and competed, but they got some bad, messy contracts there, right? You know, like we keep trying to convince ourselves that. Uh, I, you know, we, we got caught up in the story. We got caught up in the story of one linebacker. And we we do that sometimes, right? Where we hear the story and we overvalue the actual player because we love the story. Does that make sense? We, we do that in the NCAA tournament all the time. Team, you know, some Cinderella team get, pulls off a great upset. They get ready for the next game, and you're so in on the story. They're like, man, I love that story. I love those kids. Where you're like, yeah, but they're not that good. Jalen Smith is that guy for the Cowboys, right? Spectacular talent at Notre Dame. Incredible speed at linebacker. Hurts himself uh, in his last game, the bowl game. Doesn't play for a year. Has dropped foot. Comes back. Makes it. Becomes a starter. And then, you know, because they were, I, I think Jerry was upset that they weren't getting the deal done with Ezekiel Elliott. He's like, I well, just find me someone to pay. And they overpaid Jalen Smith. Whereas that's the guy that they should underpay. Look, dude, we, we, we didn't bail on you when we didn't know if you'd play football again, do us a solid and charge us a little less money. I mean, they quite obviously have overpaid for DeMarcus Lawrence. This is one of those, you know, and hard to tell, but I think you'd, I think we'd agree, you'd overpay for Amari Cooper. And w- what happens is there's no one contract that gets you beat like that, right? There's no one contract that, but you factor in that they don't have the cost certainty of uh, of a long-term deal with their quarterback, that they do have the cost certainty of a couple of players who are wildly overpaid for their their level of competency. And it kind of all factors in there. Like, Ezekiel, Elliott's really good. Was he so good that he should have been the highest paid back in the league? No, especially not if it, it upsets the apple cart. Their offensive line is beat up. And the truth is, it was a little bit old even before it was beaten up. And, I mean, Zach Martin's like the only dude left, right? And even he's been banged up this year. I mean, do I think Lael Collins and and Tyron Smith are still going to be really good when they come back? Yeah, I would assume the answer is yes. Yes. You know, Tyron Smith, the Tyron Smith is the best left tackle in the league. That's like three years ago more than today. But it doesn't mean that he's not competent. But again, you're usually in the NFL, you're paid for what you're what you're doing or what you're going to do, not what you've done. And they have a lot of guys that have been paid for what they've done. And then everyone said last year, like this roster, this roster, this roster. like if the roster was so good, why could they not even beat the Eagles, who were all banged up? Do I do I get that they have all kinds of offensive line issues? Yeah, so do the Eagles, so do so many other teams. I I look, I liked how where their effort was yesterday. Really, really liked it. Um, but I would also tell you that effort alone isn't going to fix this team. I thought. It's like when you walk into a house, you're like, man, I just thought if we painted something, we put on some new backsplash, you know, it'd be fine. Like now I'm thinking we need a new kitchen. Right? Now I think we need a new kitchen, new bathrooms, new floors. All right, maybe need to redo the pool as well. Let's need a new defense and, you know, continue added depth to the offensive line. Like you're going to need new center. And and go. For, I I think I like what Kellamore Kellamore is throwing the kitchen sink out last night. There's that was probably actually probably one of his most fun games to call because there really is no wrong play. You're just trying to do smoke and mirrors to get something to work. Healthy Dak, they're probably fine. They're probably still a playoff team. Like I'm reasonable about this, but they're not. They're not the Super Bowl team. Everybody said they were, even when they have all their guys, just because their defense is such a mess.
1: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
0: This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary
1: Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's
3: going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win.
2: and where you drive. Choose from a full line of Goodyear tires. Ship, ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to slash sports to see their Goodyear test results, tire ratings and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's tyreact.com/sports slash tireac.com. sports
4: If you dare.
2: Trent Dilfer joins us in the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Trent, as as a player, um, like you guys, you—I think everybody knows the potential is out there, right? I mean, I remember playing football as a kid, and you know, you could get a stinger and lose feeling, and you could you could think of, but what is that like to try and put that helmet back on after you see or feel or or watch something on TV where a guy uh, is is motionless from playing football?
6: Yeah, it's tough. Um, I remember we we're playing in Dallas. Actually, a game I tore my Achilles in. Um, Emmitt Smith broke the rushing record, and I was in inside getting uh, examined. I'm watching the game on TV and hassle back. Throws a ball across the middle to Daryl Jackson, and uh, he gets hit by Woodson, and he's you know out, not m- moving, and then he gets wheeled in to where I'm at, and he's going through convulsions and stuff, and. Uh, i I'd, I'd never been so scared uh no longer did my injury matter. I was scared for a teammate and I think I thought about that every time I played the rest of my career and I think most of us did so uh it's really difficult there's there's definitely a human aspect to football though sometimes people don't uh, um really credit credit us with having that human side but you see a teammate, a friend, a brother, even somebody you don't know very well get injured like that and it, it shakes you for quite a while
2: no question no question and everybody says you know we just get back up like my my daughter who rides horses it, it's something that can happen in in riding especially uh when they she jumps really high and you know like she got thrown off when she was five and like you know you wanted to get him back on but you have to understand like you can you gotta learn how to fall and even then sometimes it's just bad luck you can't prepare yourself but there's there's this un, unwritten level of toughness it takes it's not for everybody Right Not everybody can do it, and it's okay if you can't if you can't do it, but it's one of those one of those things that you have to be able to overcome that fear or or process that fear in order to compete.
6: Well we say all the time here' just in the high school realm, and I've heard college coaches say this is well, football's not for everybody, and that's okay. you know we're not saying it like, oh, it's not for you because you're not as good as us. No no, no, that's not my message. My message is it's just not for everybody, yep. some people don't want to go. Down that road where they're fearless, and that's okay. And those people shouldn't play football because typically those are the guys that do get hurt at the younger ages. Yep. Um, it takes a certain fearlessness, resilience. Um, or there's probably another word that I'm lacking right now, but uh, it, it's can, just can not you for can you
2: can you teach it?
6: Yeah, I think what we've seen, uh, and I remember this as a young player. My my stepdad was my coach. Is you, you learn to run into contact throw your body around like be the aggressive be the hammer not the nail right once you learn to be the hammer not the nail it really doesn't hurt that bad right uh, especially as you get bigger and stronger it's when you're the nail is when you end up getting hurt
2: you gotta get a little taste for blood though right like you gotta get that you gotta get that well first like get a good lick on somebody to where you don't feel it and they do and it feels really kind of powerful and once you get that if you get that taste of blood you know it's then you're like okay now i'm in but it's hard to get to that place
6: it's hard to get that place, I think the other element, too, is you have to start taking – it has to become part of your being that you take pride in bouncing back from getting banged up. Good call. Like, you, like okay, you know, yeah, I'm hurt, but I'm tough enough to get through it, and now I'm back, and, and that's a badge of honor. It's <laughs> like a pill on the
2: wall. I, I don't know if I told you this. Trent Dill for our guest, Super Bowl champion, uh, quarterback, of course, longtime NFL analyst, head coach at Lipscomb Academy, another big win for uh, for L.A. this this past weekend. Um my my son last year's first year playing tackle and the first time he got tackled, he's kind of laying there and they helped him out the field and then he was just like waiting to go back in. And I was like, Why aren't you back back in? He's like, Well, I don't know. They didn't tell me. I was like, Well, they think you're injured. He's like, No, I'm okay. I was like, Well, then you're not you're hurt. So after the game, I told him, I was like, Do you know the difference between being hurt and being injured? He's like, No. I said, Well, if you're injured, I gotta call the doctor, take you to the hospital. If you're hurt, get up, dust yourself back off, get in the huddle, and get ready to go do it again. So the very next game First play of the game, you know, he, he's playing running back. He gets a pitch, cuts off tackle, gets like seven or eight yards, gets hit pretty hard. And he's laying there for a second. He pops up. He goes, I'm just hurt. It's okay. I'm just hurt. <laughs> 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 he's, like, oh, he's so literal. Anyway, Chad for our guest on the, on the Doug Gottlieb Show. All right. Can I tell one go. more story? Yeah, go. Go.
6: I think of people like it. So I'm notorious around here for uh, – the way I've handled that, my, my dad did the same way, it was either you're injured or you're hurt. Um here I either call him you're either injured or or you have a boo boo. So we guys when I first got it, it was pretty soft program. so I said, Man, you guys got a lot of boo you guys missed a lot of games for boo boos. And their feelings were kinda hurt and I just kept going on with it and going on with it. Well my senior captain last year, uh late in the season, week eight, nine, he takes one right in the face and I run it. He's it looks like he's dead. And I, by the time I get out there, he's starting to realize that he's just got his bloody nose, and he looks at me and he yells, "It's just a boo boo!" And I just turned and walked off. So now the whole team, anytime you know a guy rolls an ankle or gets a bruise or you know whatever it is, and I just, I just, I ask, I say, "Okay, boo boo or injury?" And ninety nine percent of the time, it's just a boo boo. I'll be fine. That's
2: amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, okay, so uh, there was some good with Lamar. There was some bad with Lamar. But, the, you know, 44% completions, there's five turnovers there. There's a, a lot to it. Um, but the numbers aren't always telling of how somebody played. Did he, How did he play, in your opinion?
6: Well, he's still one of the most dynamic players in all football. And I don't want people to start jumping off the bandwagon like, oh, he's just a guy. He's just a runner that throws every once in a while. No, that's not how the league sees him. He is still a very, very scary weapon offensively. Um he try, you know, he's falling into this pattern where he's trying to make a play on every play. Yep. And when you try to make a play on every play, you're going to turn it over a little bit more. I'm more concerned with the play calling. Um, you don't have to call a lot of drop back pure progression passes on first and second down when you're the Baltimore Ravens, because what teams are most afraid of is the run game and then the run action game. Um, and I think Lamar, it's unfair to him at this stage of his career to expect him to read the field boundary to boundary, work through his progressions like an Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady or Drew Brees or somebody like that. Where he's at his best is on first and second down when you don't know what's coming. You don't know if it's one of their odd runs to the tailback. You don't know if it's a, some type of triple option play. You don't know if it's a play-action pass where the tight ends are going to get behind you. And that's what teams are scared of. You're almost giving them a break when you just drop back on first and second down. Right Now, saying all that, he does have to get better on third down. But I can say that about all quarterbacks. I mean, Joe Burrow is lighting the league on fire. Justin Herbert looks awesome. They're still not awesome on third down. I and mean, it takes years and years to be a master when in what I call must-pass situations, end-to-half, end-to-game, third-long, and when everybody knows you're throwing it and all the defenses are built around that. He shouldn't be great at that yet. So they shouldn't put him in as many of those situations. So everybody's, you know, oh, he's hit he's his he's hit a wall, this is his ceiling. The one thing Lamar Jackson's done since his time at a high school at Louisville and now in the NFL is he's kinda like I heard Colin give an analogy on the great basketball players. And they take away one thing, you learn another skill. He's he will learn these skills. It may take him a year, two, three, but he will eventually learn and correct his weaknesses.
2: Hmm, okay. Uh, Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, I'm trying to figure out Drew Locke because the first half was awful, and they were dead and buried and gone. And then really two plays changed that game. Phil Lindsay breaks one to get a touchdown, and then there was like a Keystone Cops routine by the, the Chargers where they run into each other in the defensive backfield and a long pass play. Now, now all of a sudden it becomes a game again, and the, the Broncos pull it off uh, with no time left in the game, they win 31-30. to 30. But there, there's just times in which I'm like, no way. And there's times in which, okay, he's a guy. I know everybody loves the comeback and the dance afterwards, and people like him generally. What's your opinion of Drew Locke now that we've seen a little bit more of him?
6: It's the same since I've known him in, since high school. I've been trying to figure him, out, figure him out ever since high school. Watched every game he played at Missouri. He's a dear friend, and I, he still drives me crazy. He, uh, he's got wild highs and wild lows. He's a gunslinger. Um That's really what Drew Locke is, and he needs to become more of a surgeon. You know, he's in that butcher category still, so he's going to do these incredibly great things. He's a very gifted athlete. He's got a lot of arm talent. He's got all the confidence in the world. So kind of think, poor man's version of Brett Favre, right, that kind of mentality. Well, early in Brett's career, right, tons of lows. The lows are really low, and it's just that he just needs to find that consistency, I think, emotionally and in his game. Um this is, how he was in, this is how he was in the SEC, too. And there'd be games. He would just do stuff. You'd just shake your head and go, out. Oh, he's going to be as good as anybody. And then there'd be games you'd watch and be like, oh, that's not going to cut it. And we're kind of seeing both sides of it early on in his career. The one thing I'll say about Drew, and again, it goes back to high school, like with Lamar Jackson. He is a guy that will learn, will grow, will temper that a little bit. I don't know if you'll ever be able to take the full gunslinger out of him, but I think with good training, with more time, He'll start learning a little more discretion at his position, but you don't want to out. You don't want to take out that kind of aggressive mentality either, because that's what allows him to do some of the cool things he does: bringing teams back, making the splash play, um, being a being an athlete back there. I mean, those are instinctive things that he's been doing since high school.
2: What What happened to the Titans yesterday? I
6: don't, I don't know. know,
2: man. Um,
6: I really don't. I, you know, I try. I try to be honest when I don't really know. I think offensively, they're. They haven't lost their identity, but they don't have a counterpunch when their run-run action game isn't working. Uh, Tannehill does a great job. I mean, I'm not knocking Tannehill, but he, what, what kind of allowed him to be rebirthed in Tennessee was a, a coordinator that calls a lot of run action. He's an extended drop guy. He's a throw-the-ball-down-the-field guy. What gave him problems in Miami was kind of the spread, quick-game stuff. And they're doing a little bit too much of that, and not enough of the stuff he does best. Part of that's because they can't just run the ball at will. Um, they need to get back to what they do best, which is give the ball to Henry and let him pound, pound, pound. Get everybody coming downhill, and then get you you know get the big ball over the top.
2: Dude, uh, Trent Dilfer is our guest on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, to his team one, but the stats. Don't jump out at you. What about you, as a quarterback guru? What do you make of his first start?
6: I don't think there's anything to make of it. I, I mean, he he can't even say he was super secure at the ball. He had the fumble early. Thought um, it was decisive. You know, I it, it, I it looked as if he was very comfortable. I have not talked to him since. So I don't know what was going through his head. He seemed comfortable. He seemed poised uh his eyes seemed right that's usually the thing i look for in young quarterbacks or their eyes settled or they bouncing all over the place they don't really know they're trying to see everything and they see nothing um they didn't ask him to do a ton nor should they have i mean their defense they went through that stretch where they scored and then the next series they get the defense turns the rams over and gets down to the one they're up 28-7 you know there's not a, they didn't have to do a whole lot from there I, what I'm learning about the Dolphins probably has less to do with Fitzpatrick and Tua and more about their confidence. I think they're just very confident right now. They kind of know who they are, whether it's Fitzpatrick or Tua. They're not going to be overly aggressive offensively. I think they believe they have a pretty solid defense. They can run the ball. Uh, they're very well coached. Um, I, think, I don't think you're going to really see an uber-aggressive Miami Dol- Dolphins offense, but you also didn't see an uber-aggressive Seattle Seahawks offense when Russell Wilson took over either. I think there's different paths to reaching your potential. Some like Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert are thrown all over the yard early on. Some will be a little less of that and and uh, kind of uh, take the, the the tortoise approach. And I think that's what the Dolphins doing. I mean, Flores is a Belichick guy, right? I mean, he's a great coach. He's a three phase coach. He's not gonna doesn't care about the stat lines. He's not trying to develop Hall of Fame quarterback. He's trying to develop a Super Bowl champion team and. And Tua will play that role until he's asked to do more.
2: What's wrong with golf? God.
6: Um, I think when they get away from making him feel comfortable, I'm trying to make this really simple. Okay, when Jared throws a lot of those quick screens, a lot of the perimeter stuff early, and they can run the ball outside with the jet motion and inside with the wide zone. Okay, all of those things create no clutter in the pocket for Jared. As soon as they start dropping back too much and leading with the pass, teams pin their ears back and play the run on the way of the passer. I still don't think he's a guy that can lead all the time first with the pass. Um, they just throw it too much. You know, they've got to, no matter what, at all costs, make sure they search for balance. And Sometimes the throw attempts can be misleading because they do love those little quick screens, but it can't be a ton of extended time in the pocket. He's better when it's multiple, when it's a lot of different ways of getting the ball out of his hands, a lot of different ways of running the football.
2: You guys won this weekend, right?
6: We did. We won eight in a row. All
2: right. You happy? I, mean, I, mean, I
6: am, but, you know, see, I know that's why you asked that question. You're never satisfied. I know. It's a, it's horrible. I, it, my wife always asks me, after we won eight straight games, and she goes, you're happier after the two losses. <laughs> And I go, I can't explain it. Well, it's because there's stuff,
2: because there's work to be done. And, you know, like they learn so much from the loss, uh, learn so much from losses. Yeah, I, I get the, we, we do, when we do AAU games, like you guys need to celebrate wins more. Like, yeah, I don't know. We didn't always win because we were the better team or we we played great basketball. You know, the ball sometimes goes to the net. I don't know. It's just, it's always, I'm always fascinated by what, what makes a coach happy and going through the process of playing well. I know you beat the the big squad going back two weeks ago. Who you'll probably play again in the playoffs. I just didn't know what your level of happiness was.
6: You know what I think it is? I think I've convinced them and I've convinced myself we have a standard. And when we don't meet our standard, sure. win or loss, I'm disappointed. And we it's been a few weeks since we've played the type of football I know we're capable of playing, really the standard that we've set. So, um we are grind, I was up at 3:30 this morning, grinding on the game plan, grinding all day yesterday, met with the, just got out, just got a staff meeting with the coaches, players are getting ready to hear me for the first time and it is All hands on deck. We got to get better.
2: All right. Go help them get better. Thanks for joining us. You helped us be smarter football fans. Appreciate it. Thanks, brother.
6: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports
1: talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
3: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge.
2: Choose from a full line of Kumo tires. Ship fast and free to a recommended installer near you. Or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com slash sports to see their Kumo test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. Be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires at a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com slash sports, TireRack.com Let's welcome in Joel Clatt, who joins us, uh, lead college football analyst for Fox Sports. Uh, he joins us. Wild weekend in in college football, but uh, twenty five grand for a head coach who seems to incite a brawl. That kind of feels light to me.
0: Way light. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry, but you can't be out there. And, and
2: he was like a these, pro wrestler. Uh, he was like a pro wrestler trying to incite something yeah, over exactly,
0: there, exactly. And 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 then inciting the crowd. And I mean, they, they didn't really even. I, I want to, if I'm not mistaken, and I've tried to watch it a few times. There weren't even really punches thrown until he lost his mind. Yes, he lost his and, mind. And, right. So like. I, I thought that that was incredibly light. And I'm tired of conferences taking it easy on these coaches because they get paid obscene amounts of money. And, and listen, I'm not begrudging them that opportunity, right, right. but in, in, this, in this landscape, you know, I mean, you've got to be the adult in the room. You're not just the head coach. Like, you're the adult in the room, and when you act like a petulant child, it, it doesn't look good. I thought that that was, that was a light punishment, to be honest with you.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, how do I reconcile with the fact that Oklahoma State – Played pretty well, but four turnovers, a kickoff return touchdown, roughing the punter. I mean, I felt like just gave away that game to Texas, and now it it feels like the Big 12 uh, is not going to get a team in the college football playoff. How do I reconcile that?
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, everything you said is exactly right. They, they were the better team on the field and happened to lose the football game, and, and that's maddening. It's got to be maddening, in particular when your windows for – top-line college football success are so narrow when you are a program like Oklahoma State. You might be thinking, like, well, that's disparaging. Well, no, not necessarily, because, Doug, they're trying to do something right now that's incredibly rare. Um, you know, the, there's only been three teams in the history of the college football playoff that has that have gone to the playoff without a four-year average preceding their playoff year of recruiting rankings outside of the top 15. I know that that was a lot of, basically, the teams that go to the playoff average top 15 recruiting classes every single year okay that's just how it is well oklahoma state's average ranking of those last four years is is 40th in the country so what they're trying to do is very narrow there's only been three teams do this it was the first year with oregon michigan state did it and then washington did it um and and so you're not going to get these type of opportunities very much and now i just i don't think that they're going to be able to come back from this even if they are to go win the big 12 championship and, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but and, and maybe beating Oklahoma would would do it. In particular, with after after the way that Oklahoma looked against Texas Tech defensively, uh, but it just seemed like there was a real opportunity for Michigan or excuse me, Oklahoma State to do something really special, and and they kind of lost that opportunity. And and the the maddening part, like you said, was that they kind of did it to themselves. I, I would not have categorized that on film nor watching uh, on TV that Texas was the better team and took it to them or this or that. It's just like Texas happened to win a game because Oklahoma State played ridiculously sloppy.
2: Agreed. Saw the exact same thing. What went wrong for Michigan against Michigan State?
0: Uh, a lot. And and I think that what you're seeing is, um, you know, in a normal year you see teams, be able to work the cobwebs out, you know, with the with the non-conference. And so you can kind of lay your egg and still win a game. And and now, with just conference play, you don't have that. You're not afforded that. And and I, I think that there was a, a factor of errors from the outside looking in. And let's start with the fact that Minnesota is not even close to as good as we thought they were coming into the season, right? right, right. Um, even with Bateman coming back and all this. And all of a sudden, Friday night, I'm sitting there watching that game. And in the back of my head, I'm like, you know what? Michigan might not be as good as we all think they are because they came out there and they played so well against Minnesota. And a lot of people, including myself thought that Minnesota was going to be a real contender in that Western division. Well, then they lose to Maryland on Friday night. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, let's see what Michigan has. Meanwhile, I know Rutgers is much better. I watched the film and they're just so much better coached by Greg Schiano than they were in previous seasons. And, and they gave everything they had in that game and won with, the benefit of seven turnovers all lock onto that Oklahoma state deal. And so they beat Michigan state and, and i am wake up Saturday morning and I'm like, you know, I, I really have this strong feeling that Michigan state was not nearly as bad as we thought they were. And Michigan is not as strong as we thought they were. And we saw that play out. Joe Milton did not play well. Michigan State played great and exploited uh, the weaknesses of, of where Michigan, uh, you know, wasn't strong on the defensive side, namely their cornerbacks. They have two new cornerbacks. They attacked them. They won. And, and I thought that they just did an incredible job. Mel Tucker did a great job getting his team refocused, bought in, new staff, short, you know, offseason, all this different stuff. And they came out there, and I thought that they played so well. One guy I would love to highlight, by the way, Doug, Antoine Simmons, their linebacker. He was a senior. He played his high school football literally across the street from the big house at a high school named Pioneer High School. You can see the big house from their high school football stadium. Never wanted to go to Michigan. Thought he was going to go to Ohio State. Ends up in East Lansing. How, how sweet it must have been for him in a day in which he played a, a monster game and was all over the field. So really happy for Michigan State and those kids. They played so well and deserve it.
2: All right. Uh, we see, We see Ohio State again. They beat Penn State, but they don't pummel Penn State. What's our takeaway?
0: Um, I think that Ohio State offensively is even better than they were a year ago. And and it's because their quarterback has taken the next step in development. They might not be as strong in the run game, but man, Justin Fields is so good. And Doug, you know this. When When you couple great elite talent with a guy that will work really hard at not only his craft, but also the details of the system at any sport. You get guys that do kind of transcendent things, and I'm starting to see that from Justin Fields. I'm going to do a deep breakdown uh, on, on my show on Breaking the Huddle this week about how Justin Fields is doing everything right, the things that don't take talent. All they take is attention to detail, being committed to your craft, you know, things like locating safeties and making good pre-snap reads and carrying out your details and coaching points in the run game. All these different things that allow Ohio State to have a lot of success. So I'm bullish, obviously, on, on not only Justin Fields, but Ohio State. Their front seven played incredibly well. If there is a weakness to their team, it's the fact that they don't have the game-breaker at running back that they did last year, and that secondary is still trying to find their way, and deservedly so, Think about it. They got two first-round corners taken off of that secondary. Another, you know, a late-round pick that was an opening-day starter and Fuller, their safety. So they're trying to find their way back there, and I, I imagine that they will as they get more snaps under their belt.
2: Doug Gottlieb, show here on Fox Sports Radio. You mentioned Oklahoma and their defense. What did you see in terms of other than getting some guys back change with Oklahoma? Yeah.
0: Well, that was the main thing, right? Ronnie Perkins is their best defensive player. He was suspended for the first half of the year, and he's back on the field. And I, I, It was a, a monster difference. Um, I, I will give it to this, them, though. Like, Doug, you, I'm sure you've seen them almost as often as I have and watched them and, and evaluated them. Their defense was putrid uh, at the back half of last year. I mean, it was bad, 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 bad. bad, bad, bad. bad yeah. and and they weren't great early this year, you know, in particular late in those ball games against Iowa state and and even Kansas State. But they have played really solid defense now in three straight games. for fifty six minutes against Texas, they were outstanding. They played really well against TCU and now they played really well against the Texas Tech team that if you go back through you know what they have been under Matt Wells, their, their head coach, a pretty good offensive team. So that, that team is flying around. They're tackling way better in space. I mean, that's probably the biggest difference. And then now you get your best defensive player in the front seven, Ronnie Perkins, back, and they've got something. It'll be interesting to see if they can get some help, run the table, and potentially get into that Big 12 championship game. I just don't think that they're going to be able to get back into the playoff conversation with those two losses
2: already. Yeah. Yeah. Probably, pro- probably not. Uh, Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox sports radio. Uh, what does the, uh, what does the postponed or canceled game? What, what does that mean to Wisconsin who looked so good with a backup quarterback, but had to miss this past week because of uh, COVID?
0: Well, they're, they're just behind the eight ball because, you know, now it's, it's been released that they had 22 positives within their program, you know, players and, and staff alike. And so now, they're just desperate to try to get back on the field. I, ha- I have heard from sources close to the program that they're going to try to practice tomorrow, but that's still not guaranteed. So I don't think you're going to get a game this week. Um, and then that Michigan game, which is supposed to be next week is going to be on the brink, depending on what they've got from a testing perspective and what they've got from a roster perspective. Um And, and this is, you know, it's not Wisconsin's fault, right? Everyone's going to kind of pile on Wisconsin and, the the fact of the matter is, is that the conference put them in a really precarious spot in every program within the conference. When you've got to shut it down at 5% of your program test positive, that's a, that's a really low standard. Okay, that's number one. Number two, with no off weeks and no wiggle room, um, you're in a precarious spot. And then three, the 21-day quarantine for the players is way overboard, and they did all of those things in large part, because they postponed originally. Right. So they felt pressure to have to have more strict protocols and procedures than the other conferences who never postponed if they were going to come back and actually play during the, the fall and not in the winter. Um, so a lot of this was optics driven, politically driven, and not from a you know uh, Republican Democrat thing, I'm just saying All from right. a, 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 po- a political uh, nature of who's saying what within those meetings and so on and so forth. Um, and and that's, it's a precarious spot, man. I, I, I don't know if Wisconsin's going to be able to recover from this and, and actually get to the Big Ten championship game. So we'll have to see. Uh,
2: let's let's go back to the Michigan thing where they didn't play well and you have a quarterback starting a second game who doesn't play well. You, you know how this works. You and I have been defenders of Harbaugh. We, we admitted that at some point you got to beat Ohio State. Um, but now there's – can do well, that – now it's time to move on. Can't beat Michigan State. Uh, how would you, what would your feelings be about that discussion?
0: I I just don't think that the school is going to make that decision. I think that I think that with where his contract stands, and you know that he's got the the, um, the shortest contract tenure right now in the country. Uh, there's nobody that has has a contract shorter than Jim Harbaugh's. His runs out in about fourteen months. Um, at the end of the 2021 season. And and he was working on an extension in February. And to his credit, by the way, give him a little bit of credit, once COVID hit, he wasn't going to hold Michigan over the barrel and demand an extension, and he didn't take it, and he pulled out of those negotiations. I think good for him, in particular from an optics standpoint. Having said that, I I just don't think that you're going to see one side makes the decision. I feel like whatever they do, they're going to try to do it mutually, whether he just steps away at the end of his contract and, and rides off into the sunset um, or they want to extend and continue to, to to build. They do have a very good recruiting class coming in this season. Uh, right now it's ranked eighth in the country, I believe, on, on 24-7. So you got to think that they're still going to be a good team. Uh, the problem is is that they're not beating their rivals. And this, the Michigan State one, I think, is even more infuriating than losing to Ohio State because what you can look at with Ohio State is that they are on an historic run, even for them and their history. What they're doing, the way they're, or they're recruiting, the way they're winning football games, and the clip that they're doing so is, is really outstanding. Michigan State is not on that type of historic run. And they're still, Harbaugh's still just 3-3 three and three against the Spartans. You know, Mel Tucker gets the job in February. He's got all these newcomers out there, and they lose the the, the game at home. So the frustration is palpable from, from the fan base. I just don't think that Michigan's in a, in a position where, after all the resources that they, they poured into him, that they can sit there and, and go back and say, we're going to make the move outside of him.
2: What about LSU? I mean, it was such a dream scenario last year, but now with Burrow gone, with some of those players gone, with you know, uh, you know, with some of your staff gone as well, I mean, they're they're an abject disaster. Now you look back at that Mississippi State win, it's a Mississippi State loss, you're like, wait, you lost to a bad team? It Wasn't just you lost to Mississippi State? You lost to a bad Mississippi State team. Uh, they get clobbered by Auburn, who's just okay. I, I mean, is there any thought that Coach O's in trouble?
0: Well, I I don't know about in trouble. I think that you're going to have, and remember now, in in, in a year with COVID, these budgets at these athletic programs are stretched really tight. So I think that that's going to prevent some movement from a coaching perspective at at the end of this season, period. Now, I think that there will be some movement, in particular, at places that can afford it. You would uh, imagine that LSU is a place that would think that they can afford it. The problem is, is, He's making a lot, and his buyout is really big right now. And you're you're still in a honeymoon phase after that year in which it might have been the best college football team that we've ever seen, in particular on the offensive side. The problem here, Doug, as you point out, is that this is not a coach that has done this over different cycles of recruits. And in fact, he's never done anything like what he did last year, period, without Joe Burrow as his quarterback, um, and Joe Brady as the the passing game coordinator. So, if if this continues, you're going to hear the the rumbling of, "Hey, Coach Joe had nothing to do with that." While he was kind of the perfect fit at the perfect time for that team, he's he's not a guy that's building a program outside of Joe Burrow, uh, and I think all of that has some some merit, to be honest with you, because let's face it throughout his career as a head coach, whether it's interim or on a full-time basis, you know, it hasn't been all that successful outside of last year.
2: Doug Gottlieb, show here on Fox Sports Radio. That's the voice of Joel Cladd, Of course, you hear him call uh, the college football game of the week on Fox. Um, okay, so this week, where are you headed?
0: We are in at USC, dude. We are kicking 9 a.m. local. How about that?
2: Well, I mean, people are excited. So, okay, give me your sense, SC. Can they be competitive with Oregon?
0: Um, I'm not sure. I think that they can. I think that that USC is probably the better team, and particularly when you look at the opt-outs, Oregon's going to get all the run. They won the Rose Bowl and everything looks good. Did you know they're replacing their quarterback, obviously, Justin Herbert, who's a sensational player, and every single offensive lineman. I don't know a lot of programs that just, roll through and say, hey, we're going to replace all five offensive linemen. Because remember, Penny Sewell, who's, who's going to be the top offensive tackle taken in the draft, he opted out of this season. Uh, he has not opted back into this season. So I just don't know. Oregon's going to have a really strong defense. I don't know what they're going to be on offense. If You know, I just don't see him scoring a lot of points. So to me, USC really should win the conference, Doug. I think that they're the best team in the conference. They've got a lot of veteran players. They've got a quarterback that's one of the best in the country. They've got great skilled position players. They've made some moves on the staff that they really believe in, including bringing in Todd Orlando, the defensive coordinator formerly at Texas. Um, And I think this is a year where there's a lot of pressure for USC to actually win the Pac-12. Yeah,
2: I I agree. Uh, Look, Arizona State is no no slouch. Jaden Daniels had a good year last year as a freshman. And, of course, this is like classic Herm, right? Wins this game and then loses next week. I think that's going to be really competitive.
0: Uh, I do, too. Uh, One thing to to look at is that USC's got a really good defensive secondary. Veteran corners, a kid named Chase Lucas and Jack Jones. Jack Jones was a former USC kid, highly recruited, got in some uh, trouble academically, had to go to JUCO. Now he's back at Arizona State. He's starting. And, and, uh, by the way, no one's really talking about this. The new defensive coordinators at Arizona State, Marvin Lewis and Antonio Pierce as co-coordinators. So, you're talking about some really smart guys that are the coordinators there at ASU. That could, this could be a really good game.
2: It should be a really good game. All right. Look forward to that. You get to sleep in your own bed. That's amazing, right? You might I know, be on a right? golf course the next day. You might be on a golf course that day at 9 o'clock, 9 a.m. <laughs> you're That's done right. at noon, That's brother. Right. You're done and done at noon. Get to be home with the kiddos. All right, great stuff, man. Thanks don't for joining us. Don't
0: think that there's not a the, don't think there's not a tea time already made. Oh, I
2: I don't doubt that one at all. I don't doubt. And you don't even have to worry about the easy <laughs> out now, right? There's no fans there. You That's right. To, you don't have to worry That's about right. get, getting the getting the uh, the escort through security. Joel, great stuff this past weekend. Thanks for joining us. You got it, bud. Have a good one.
0: Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing
4: of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed.